Um, we've got a bit of a set now that I can only describe as a little difficult. Um, I had some sad news this morning we all did um, uh, about my friend Scott Hutchison from the band Front Rabbit. And, um, and uh, Scott played this festival last year and on the Sunday morning we sat out back and drank beers and talked shit and played songs. And I don't want to talk about death today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about life. Because Scott was one of my fucking favourite people in the world. I fucking love that guy. He was my friend and I was inspired by him. I wanted to I want to be like him as a songwriter. That guy's fucking incredible, right? And um, and Scott decided to, to go away from us and um and it pricks my fucking heart. But at the same time, I think the best as a songwriter, I think the best thing we can have is if someone goes, you keep their fucking songs going, ladies and gentlemen. We need to stick around. We all need to stick around to tell other people how fucking good Scott was, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we're here. I used to sing one of Scott's songs with him, so I'm going to sing it now. He should be here too. Cripples amongst you all, you tired human beings. He's got all things a cripple has, not to working. Welcome to The Radio Care. I'm your host, Nathan Seal, and each week Jeremy Cohen and I talk about new albums and artists in and around the indie music landscape. But this week, we're taking a break from the new music to talk about someone who feels like an old friend that we've lost too soon, Scott Hutchinson, or as his mother called him as a child, Frightened Rabbit. That's next on The Radio Care. Hey, Jerry. Hello. How are you? All right, this is a rough one. It is a rough one. We were going to do Beach House uh, this week. We, we moved it, pushed it back, uh, so we could talk about Scott. Because uh, I, I really feel like that, for me, Frightened Rabbit is, is one of the most important bands of kind of my post-college age, my mid-20s, when you're figuring shit out and drinking too much. And Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Especially Midnight Organ Fight. Yeah. Yeah. That one came out and really... Uh, kind of sent them from Scotland to the United States. Quite a bit of buzz on that one. And we heard um, Frank Turner's tribute. That was on Friday, then the day that we found out, uh, the day that, because he had gone missing a couple of days earlier, uh, sent out a couple of cryptic tweets. I'm sure that um, a lot of you have already heard about this. But uh, he said, um, be so good to everyone you love. It's not a given. I'm so annoyed that it's not. I didn't live by that standard and it kills me. Please hug your loved ones. And then 20 minutes later, it's, I'm away now. Thanks. Yeah. So Oof. kind of his last words there. 
uh, to us, to his fans, uh, to the people in his life. And, um, uh, and, and Frank is, is so right that the, the best way to remember that him and, uh, to ensure, um, his legacy is to continue to listen and, uh, and tell people about Frightened Rabbit. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, it certainly has made me listen again and I'm like, holy mm-hmm. shit, they were fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just, just an amazing, amazing band. We have a, a playlist that we're going to put up. We picked a few songs to talk about, but I, I thought we should probably start with kind of um, his legacy uh, or Frightened Rabbit's legacy. Um, I see to me, indie music starts with the national and death cab. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Those are kind of the Nirvana Pearl jam of the indie music. And I was trying to kind of get a touchstone for these guys because I think these guys are the best band that not everyone has heard of. Um, they're that, um, they're just that, like that band that when you think of indie music, like this is, is just right on the nose. There's kind of emotional lyrics, um, uh, very pensive, fast, and, and it has this folk rock kind of base to it. And, um, I, maybe like neutral milk hotel or Mm -hmm. pavement or something kind of that, um, the indie music lovers kind of like what? Yeah. But you, have you heard? Frightened yeah. Rabbit? I think I feel like this is a band that like are like your son, for example, if it's when he's like old mm-hmm. enough to like start getting really into music, when, when he mm-hmm. gets like deep into like indie yeah. music from our era, he'll come across us and be like, Holy shit. And be like, like tell all of his friends, like, did you have you ever heard this? And a lot of them might not have, and it'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and it's all in uh, the songs are so simple. That's what I uh, love about them. They sound very uh, Scottish. Um, uh, it says I, I have a I have a couple of excerpts to read from the Guardian's uh, obituary, and one of them is his first songs were influenced by Ryan Adams and similar Americana artists. Um, but when Grant, that's his brother, became a member, they joined a long tradition of jittery indie guitar acts who couldn't have been anything but Scottish. Uh, his heritage mattered to him. Uh, here he says, I think the anthemic misery indie is Scotland's greatest import, <laughs> he remarked in 2014. <laughs> that's fantastic. One of, the, <laughs> one of the things that first hit me like when I first listened to this band is how heavily his accent comes through because mm-hmm. a lot of times when people sing, it's like really hard to tell that they have an accent at all for whatever reason. I don't know what causes that, but, mm-hmm. but his, his accent is so thick and it just immediately sticks out as something so unique. Yeah. You're, uh, closer to the, uh, you know, kind of closer to the darkness, mm-hmm. uh, up there in Scotland and it, and it really feels like his Scottish heritage, um, uh, kind of was the, the, the perfect outward expression of kind of how he felt inwardly yeah. uh, growing up and stuff. So let me, uh, let me read this, um, guardian, uh, a bit and, uh, and then we'll get into, uh, some of the songs and stuff. Right. Uh, born in Selkirk, 
in the Scottish borders, the second of Marion and Ron Hutchinson's three sons. He was close to his brothers, Neil and Grant, the latter of whom described him, described him as the Tasmanian devil to Scott's frightened rabbit. Uh, Scott moved the 80 or so miles to Glasgow to study illustration, but was more interested in music than art. Uh, later using his skills to design artwork for Frightened Rabbits albums. Didn't know that. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. They have really good album artwork. Yeah, that's his, that's his stuff. Cool. Though not a household name outside their native Scotland, the group could fill 2,000 capacity venues around the UK, which boded well for the prospects of their next album. Due to be completed by the end of the year, it would have contained new themes, perhaps even a touch of optimism. Hutchison, the band singer and lyricist, told the NME in March, I'm trying to do different things because it's album six and I can't do this all the time, you know. I don't think everybody really gives a fuck about my relationships anymore. Uh, but fans saw him as an extension of themselves. His awkwardness and vulnerability reflected their own. His, hope, his openness about romantic travails made him seem approachable, stocky, bearded, and affable. He was more brotherly than star-like. Accordingly, he treated fans as friends, relating to their problems, though it drained him. Contacted by the parents of a troubled young fan who found comfort in Frightened Rabbit's music, he responded with a handwritten note that said in part, All I really wanted to say is that no matter how dark life seems, you are never alone. There is always hope. The band name came from an early nickname bestowed by Hutchison's mother. I was incredibly shy as a child and almost chronically so, Hutchison told Spin Magazine in 2010. So out of that, my mom called me her frightened rabbit. When he started to write songs in 2000, midway through a four-year illustration course at the Glasgow School of Art, he cast about for a nom de rock. That's cute. Um, <laughs> Plain old Scott Hutchinson lacked magic. He decided, um, but his childhood nickname would do. His solo project extended... Oh, right, sorry. I cut this up a little bit. Um, and so he started out as a kind of a solo project, and that extended uh, into a duo when his brother Grant joined on the drums, and the two released their debut, Sing the Grace. Did you listen to much of that one? No, I did not. I I have in the last couple of days, but I was not like mm -hmm. familiar, very familiar with it at all. I'm sure I had listened to it at some point, but yeah, I never had it. And, and uh, um, back when it came out, there was no streaming services, so you just I, I bought the um, Modern Leopard and yeah. then just kind of went forward and didn't didn't go back. I didn't even know it existed for several years. Yeah, someone. I want to say that someone I know had it. They like bought it at a CD store, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I've not even listened to it, but I may go back. Uh, they eventually became a five-piece with the addition of Billy Kennedy, uh, Andy Monahan, and Simon Little. Uh, Hutchinson also put out a solo LP under the name Oh Al John. Uh, did you listen to that? That I have not heard. I'm, I'm going to yeah. do that in the next few days, but I haven't listened to that yet. I listened to it like twice and, and didn't, it didn't um, catch me, but okay. I may now. <laughs> uh, and participated with members of Editors and Minor Victories in an indie supergroup Master System who released their solo album last month. Did you know that? I had heard that and I have never listened to it though. 
No. Again, I think I'm going to go back. If it's good, if it's uh, if we like it, I think we should do a um, episode on it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm really excited. I, it's kind of like uh, he's gone, but mm-hmm. since I didn't know this, it's like new music, posthumous music. So it'll be fun. Absolutely. Fun to get into. I, I have no idea what it even sounds like. I have no idea if it sounds a little like Frightened Rabbit or if it even sings. I have no idea if it even sings. Yeah, I, I know very little as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was a good kind of summation of his of his um, career there, mm-hmm. uh, at least. So he had five albums, right? Mm-hmm. So Seen the Greys, uh, which neither of us listened to. Um, uh, Midnight Organ Flight, Winter of Mixed Drinks, Pedestrian Verse, and the newest one, Painting of a Panic Attack? Yes, yes, that's it. Which was our first episode. It was. Yeah. That was. D- don't go back and listen to it. It's shit recording, and oh, probably we have nothing good to say. Um, <laughs> or even intelligent to say. Yeah, intelligible. yeah I've, I've certainly never listened to it, and I don't plan to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, man. When I went back and um, was trying to cut together some of those playlists that we did over the um, break, uh-huh. uh, ooh, it was rough. <laughs> it's <laughs> surprising if anyone has been listening from the beginning that still is listening. I know what an accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your favorite album? I think I probably know the answer to. Yeah, this, I mean, it's definitely Midnight Organ Fight. Um, Mm -hmm. that was the first one I heard. Um, that was amazing. One of the the things I think that's so appealing about these guys to the people that get in them is lyrically, it really is some of the bleakest stuff you'll ever Mm -hmm. hear, but there's something charming about it and Mm -hmm. there's a humor to some of it that you wouldn't really expect like that. I'm forgetting the name of the song right now, but there's like that song where he talks about, he's like, it's okay if you forget my name while we're having sex. Like that's funny <laughs> and charming and in a sad yeah. way, of course, but yeah. it, like, it like seems like all doom and gloom, but there's, there's a certain charm to it. That's just so appealing. Yeah. I think that's on twist where there, he's talking about uh, dancing, right? Oh yeah. I think that, yeah, I think it's uh, that it doesn't matter as long as you're into me. I don't care what name you call me kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, in one of the, um, kind of pieces about him. I, I uh, somebody said gallows humor. I think that's a good mm-hmm. way to put it. Is that it's kind of like self-deprecating, and like I'm sad, but that doesn't mean that we have to, uh, that we can't see kind of the, uh, I don't know, it just insanity of the of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's almost kind of like this sense of like fuck it, you know, it ain't getting any better. So yeah. let's kind of find some joy in, in that, in our sorrow. I don't know. Um, but you're right. You're right. The, the music itself um, has that kind of upbeat tempo that you would expect uh, to hear in a Scottish bar, Scottish bar. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and it just makes it so much fun. You went to that concert with me, didn't you? No, I never saw them. You never, that must've just been me and Paul. Yeah, it was. Cause I was mm. in Seattle with my dad during that show. Oh yeah. Otherwise I, I would have gone. Now. Mm-hmm. 
but man, it's so intimate and, and you can tell he's like one of those people like dashboard confessional back in the day where he doesn't have to sing a lyric of his songs in concert. Everyone right. is just belting it out. That's a, that's what I loved about um, the Frank Turner uh, Modern Leopard. You could just hear everyone in the background at a Frank Turner concert, right? right? Not right. At, a, <laughs> at a Frightened <laughs> Rabbit concert, but you could hear literally everyone singing um, just at the top of their lungs with Frank because uh, everyone knows the goddamn song. Yeah, because like... I mean, like you said, I mean, they're not the biggest band or anything, but the people that are into them are so, mm-hmm. so into them. And I think it's because of that, just the lyrics, and everything being so vulnerable, yet sometimes like funny in a really dark way. It just makes it, he just presents it in such a relatable way. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, uh, we started the, the, the thing, uh, the playlist of Modern Leper, um, and that, is that the first one on the It is the on first the record? track on, on yeah. the record, yes. Yeah. Which is phenomenal starts out first so track. Good. Oh, my God. Yeah. It starts out so good because you you hear this kind of real just regular indie sound. It's his voice strong and just kind of like very simple kind of like ding, 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 mm-hmm. kind of um, guitar, nothing big strumming or anything like that. And then when you get to the chorus... It, it just like rises up uh, and it's just this, that knee slapping kind of, you know, hoedown kind of feel to it. Was I you in front of me? Coming back for even more, I'll be the same. You must be a masochist. I'm his last leg. I'm his last leg. Yeah, and it's like. A perfect, if this is your starting point, which it was for us and I think a lot of people, I think it like really prepares you well, not only for the rest of this album, but the mm-hmm. rest of their discography. It's, it, the lyrics are fucking dark, but, but like you were just saying, like, it's kind of like up-tempo, like, you could, you could, you could party to this music. Absolutely. And, and it's very easy to sing like just belt out so yeah. a lot of the music I can't sing at a really loud screamy level because I just can't hit the notes but these are all in a, a place for me that they're really sometimes the only time I can actually hit the notes is if I scream it you know yeah yeah you must be a masochist to love a modern leper on his last name yeah another line that I really like in this song is uh well, this is how we do things now. Yeah, this is how the modern stay scared. Oh, mm-hmm. that's great. You're not ill and I'm not dead. Doesn't that make us the perfect pair? Mm. We should start again. And I can tell you all about what I did today. So all of um, Midnight Organ Fight is uh, about like his big first breakup. Yes. Uh, kind of relationship rift and it and it has this real sense of like I was kind of an asshole and depressed and and that's why would you ever want to be with somebody like this anyway so mm-hmm. it it was pretty much amazing that you were with me as long as you were that kind of is the kind of the self-deprecating feeling of the entire album to me yeah absolutely that I'm I'm a piece of shit and there's no reason you want to be with me but you were for a little while and I'm happy about that 
and they just keep coming. I mean, Good Arms versus Bad Arms so is good. such a great fucking song. Um, and then the, I think the the big one off this one is Old Old Fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and that necessarily, that definitely sounds like you should be like in some sort of barn, uh, oh, you know, doing some like square dancing or something. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I mean, this whole album is hard to pick songs because, like, mm-hmm. now and uh, the peak of my obsession with this album, I never would skip anything. Mm-hmm. No, I. I the, the funny thing about this album is that somehow it got dry, it got Dropbox to me, and my computer only, um, got the first ten. So I for like. I don't know, almost a year, I think. I thought that was the entire album. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? And <laughs> the we we just, or tragic, I guess, maybe. But it's got 17 songs, and the one that um, we just talked about was Poke uh, that was on the Grey's Anatomy and kind of yeah. what really sprung these guys in the United States, at least. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first heard that song, I was, I don't know if this is the right word, but I want to say almost like shocked by the explicitness and like violence of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a sweet, you know, Grey's Anatomy type song that uh, the lyrics just kind of, you don't really, because the chorus is one of those, ooh, mm-hmm. kind of things and uh he's just he has that tempo to his voice where it just kind of rolls off and you can kind of not even think about what you're you can know all the words and not even think about what you're saying oh absolutely and if you actually like pay attention to it you're like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) we can change our partners this is a progressive dance but remember it was me who dragged you up to the sweaty floor i love that so good it was me that you loved first. Uh, but the one, the other one that we were going to talk about that you want to talk about was Heads Roll Off. Yes. I'll make tiny changes to Earth. That's the most important thing about oh, this. Oh, yeah. This is that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've uh, used the first line for a Facebook um, status or a Twitter status. Or a, Twitter status now, I guess, but Jesus is a Spanish boy. It's just a Spanish boy's name. I'm almost uh, positive I used that for a Facebook <laughs> status also back in the day. <laughs> I have that yeah. one written down. I <laughs> uh, love that. How come one man got so much fame? I love the part right after that, too. This is one that I'd always like sing along real loud to in the car. Uh, the line, uh, I believe in a house in the clouds and got mm-hmm. and God's got his dead friends round. He's painted all the oh, walls red it. to remind them they're all dead. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I love it so much. And it's like the, the way he sings, it, it's like so easy to sing along. To. And it's not
so it's so easy. And this was coming at a time where you know I was in transition with my faith. So yeah, um, it was just it's just so great because ultimately he kind of rejects this narrative. Uh, yes, the 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 Christian narrative or the Catholic narrative or whatever Scottish people are. <laughs> right, <laughs> probably they seem Catholic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's probably Church of England, but Church of England is so Catholic-y feeling. Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I don't fucking know the difference. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it says it in such a morbid way, when heads roll off, someone else's turns. When my blood stops, someone else's will not. You can mark my words, I'll make tiny changes to earth. And while I'm alive, I'll make tiny changes to earth. And that That just feels like such a great kind of continuation piece yes. uh, for him is that his blood stops, but mine doesn't, you know, his, he's gone, but my head still turns and, and I can still look around. I can still be effective for change, uh, in this world. And if my blood is running, we should be that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is like, the song's like the perfect illustration of what we're talking about with, it's really dour subject matter, but there's a, a hopefulness, hopefulness mm-hmm. and like optimism to it, both with the music and what he's talking about. Like he's talking about mm-hmm. fucking dying, but big picture wise, like, well, I made some little changes while I was here. Can you really ask for anything else? It's really interesting idea. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, the, even just the one letter that we know about here, uh, that he wrote to this uh, fan, yes, um, to, to kind of like shine some hope uh, in his or her life. I mean, that's a tiny, tiny thing, but it's such a huge thing for the um, for him. Tiny thing for him, huge thing for the fan. And exactly, that is, that's so amazing. Those are the tiny changes uh, yeah. that he was talking about, and I love that he kind of put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. He wasn't that asshole star. He was right. <laughs> a friend to his fans. And he suffered from depression and he knew what that felt like. And so that's uh, probably why he was so indebted uh, to them. Yeah, absolutely. So the one that I wanted to talk about, because I just fucking love it, uh, is uh, my backwards walk. Yes. I think uh, I want to say that my sister, your wife, mm-hmm. some played me this song before I heard the album. I'm not positive, but I think that this was my actual very first introduction to them. It's a great introduction. It, it's a... Um it's not like a weird song because it definitely feels very frightened rabbity, but it's not that kind of knee slapping kind of stuff that old, old fashioned is or um, modern leopard or even heads roll off. Yeah. Uh, it, it just starts out really slow. Um, he's just kind of like performing this poem essentially. Uh, but it's just, it's so confessional. Uh, yes. That's the that's the beauty of it, and it and it's confessional in this general way that everyone can relate to. I'm working on my faults and cracks, cracks, filling up the blanks and gaps. Uh, 
And he like presents it in such a clever way. I mean, it's like simple ideas, but it's so effectively put out there. Yeah. I'm working on drawing a straight line. I'll draw until I get one right. It's bold and dark, girl. Can't you see? I'm, I done draw a line between you and me. And that, that really makes sense for this art background, too. I, is that, um, and then the next one is I'm working on erasing you. It's just, it's, it's so poetic. It's, he's such a great songwriter. And I don't really feel like I understood that um, quite. Because the songs are just yeah. so fun and they're so meaningful. And you get... I feel like I get caught up in, in songs like this. I get caught up in my own shit, yes. remembering my own shit, thinking oh, about my own shit. Uh, and sometimes you just you don't you miss how amazing uh, these trousers seem to love you for. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's such a good line. Oh God, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Oh. And then the poem just ends in this kind of um, almost synthy. Um, mm-hmm. Say yes before I lose my mind. You're the shit, and I'm knee deep in it. God, I think that was probably my Facebook status like at least half a dozen times. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God, it's so good. He's the shit, and I'm gonna be knee deep in this for a while now. I know. It's be dark. Nowhere else for me to go. Just to think about, like, it, it's almost that that um, sentiment by um, the national, you own me, uh, lucky you. Yes. That that kind yes. of feeling. That's like a sweet sounding um, thing. And this is, this is this more morbid kind of gallows humor. You're the shit and I'm knee deep in it. But it's this exact same sentiment. You own exactly me. Exactly the same. I, I get like... Um, goosebumps listening to this shit. I forgot that me that too. happened to me. I did all day. <laughs> Maybe it's something about just knowing that he's gone. And so, but. yeah, I mean, there, there's no way that doesn't like change how you perceive all this stuff. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep yourself warm is amazing. And yep. then poke seems like the, the, the end of the album. And then there's just kind of like this, like five or six B side songs. Mm-hmm. Um, just on the back end there, but we should get to the next one because I felt like this is one of the best, uh, follow-up albums. It's so good. I, I felt like there was, there was really no kind of letdown for me, uh, between, uh, Midnight Organ Fight and, uh, Winter of Mixed Drinks. Mm-hmm. shit up. 
So the winner of mixed drinks, it kind of uh, continues uh, with the sad sack love uh, love stories. Yes. Much more also, lush, like musically, though I would say. Yes. Yeah. I would I would definitely say that the the first one is just so charming because of its rawness, and the second one. Um, you can feel the development. You can you can see that the the way that he's constructing songs, he's not just a, a great lyricist. The way that he's constructing songs now is um, really starting to get more uh, sophisticated. But uh, swim until you can't see land. Like that's the hit off this album. Is that the first single? Yes, I think Surely that it, it is, literally right? was. Yeah, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is one of the only songs of theirs that uh, I think I actually pay more attention to the music than the lyrics. Mm. Like this might mm-hmm. be the only one. Yeah. Yeah, and this one doesn't have as much as like the narrative mm-hmm. part of it, uh, especially this this uh, song itself. Um, and, uh, it has more of this kind of repetitive chorus, uh, stuff, you know, swim until you can't see land. And then it ends with, are you a man or a bag of sand? I love that. Yeah. That's really good. (laughs) I love the way the music like really like swells in it too. And, um, the, I really like the, uh, guitar that starts out the track. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like very pretty kind of summary, almost like a, real estate type thing or like a mm-hmm. more like upbeat like Aaron Dessner type guitar sound to it. It's very cool. Yeah, it makes me feel like the band was a little more a part of this album than mm-hmm. the first one because mm-hmm. the first one was a lot of aggressive strumming and yeah. then kind of flourishes of guitars on top that maybe somebody add later. But this is uh this is at the heart of the song. So it had yes. to have been kind of incorporated from the beginning. So uh, I would attribute this to getting a band together. Uh, and it, it working really my, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I agree. their sound, the guys that he picked, their sound is really working with what um, he uh, what he is wanting to do lyrically. Uh, let's call me a Baptist. Let's call a drowning of the past. Love that. Mm, I love that. That that again. He he does the religious imagery so well. He does that um, kind of. Uh, let's let's use all of these kind of um, religious, uh, what do you call those sacraments? I guess mm-hmm. uh, to to talk about how it's in life in general. Uh, I need to be reborn uh, yes. through baptism. Um, I need to kind of confess something and and um, kind of be absolved uh, to the even to like the one you love or something like that. Yeah, and I, I like it in this context too, combined with the the idea of drowning something, because that's that's like very mm-hmm. violent compared to this, like salvation type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole idea. You're going of a baptism is that you're going underwater, dying, and being resurrected. Yeah. Um, and uh, the imagery of 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 drowning kind of goes through 
a lot of his um, music that's on the first one and, and it's definitely center stage on this one because they have this one and then Are You a Man in a ba- or a Bag of Sand is an actual song. Yes, yes. Um, on the album. So, but a lot of these, a lot more of these are, are feel um, like hits. Like uh, there's the first one kind of everything kind of fit together perfectly uh, from one song to the next. But some of these I, I don't uh, feel like um, are as dependent on each other. Uh, right. A lot yeah. of these are just like bangers, you know, the loneliness and the scream, mm-hmm. uh, skip the youth. Those are great. My my favorite on this one is is Foot Shooter. There's just something about um the like the tempo of the song. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like these these uh kind of jigs and then there's these kind of like slower cool songs. Uh and Foot Shooter is uh one of those kind of like slower yeah, and I, oh God, I love that piano in there, especially in the beginning. Oh, it's real pretty. Shoot myself in the feet again. I, I didn't <laughs> even know what he was saying there for a long time. It, <laughs> it's so, um, I, I love how Scottish he sounded. I mean, it was, oh, it was part of the charm. And did, did you sing the accent? I tried to sing the accent. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. You got to. Gotta sing the accent. <laughs> I always and the chorus in this song is like, I, it's like weirdly catchy, and I say weirdly <laughs> because it does not seem like it's going to be a very catchy song when it starts. But there is that that nice rhythm to the to the chorus. Mm. Yeah, it was very catchy. Again, if I shoot at you, you can shoot at me too, and we can drown in pools of the thick dark words we threw. As my face turns white, I apologize. I am sorry. It's not your fault. It's mine. God, that feels like a a bit too. I mean, that feels it like does. a suicide note too. I know. I, I feel like so, so much of their songs mm-hmm. do now. And I'm like, I know. Am I just like fucking stupid for not realizing that before? Or? Yeah. Hindsight's 2020, I guess. And yeah. that's the thing is like, it, it, it's almost like his death, um, unlocked this other side of the, the music for me. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, sad and exciting again gallows humor it's so yeah, weird like there's this, you know i'm excited to listen to this stuff again but yet it's such a for a fucking sad occasion yes totally it's it's like it's really it's a weird feeling that i don't think i've had before with music 
No, because I mean, last year, um, Tom Petty, um, David Bowie the year before that, um, yeah, Prince, Prince, la- Prince yeah. last year. Uh, those are these big, huge people where it's like music has lost something very great here, like music in general, the giant over umbrella of music, you know? Yeah. Um, but this feels like that, like we've lost something. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. Like as, as horrible as it was when those people died and it made me very sad, this has made me way more sad than any of them. Exactly. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's different, you know, like the president gets shot or something that's, that's sad and it, but it, well, this is something that happens (laughs) Yeah, not our president. I'm just <laughs> thinking of, of generally some, speaking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking, it's a it's a sad occasion, but it feels like it happens to the country. Right. Whereas if something more um, uh, something more local, then it feels like it happens to you, and that's that's how it felt like to me. Like that, mm-hmm. I lost a, a friend. It, it and it's so. It's the lyrics. I think it's the intimacy of the lyrics and the narrative, and that he is so forthcoming with his feelings and um, his kind of insecurities and things like that, that you feel like you know him. Yeah, totally. It re- yeah, <laughs> like so somebody you like knew well. Yeah, and because of the, how the lyrics sound, you're like, you feel like he knows you too. It's like he's exactly. speaking to you. And so there's this intimacy that I just, um, that just wasn't there for, mm-hmm. you know, Prince and, and um, Tom Petty and those other kind of greats that, that the music um, industry lost. Yeah, I totally agree. So the third one is, um, pedestrian verse. what do you think about, what do you think about this one? This feels like to me kind of the lost album, like the, well, I would, I, prob- I listened to this probably less than any of these ones mm-hmm. that we've discussed. I, I mean, other than the original one, which I listened to, mm-hmm. like I said, like once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like some of these songs on here. It's not one mm-hmm. like um, Midnight Organ Fight where I, I go right through, all the way through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is kind of the transition to what we're going to get in uh, Painting of a Panic Attack. We talked about mm-hmm. this in our, in our first episode where this is kind of the linchpin where uh, Acts of Man and Backyard skull, Skulls um, and late March, death March. Those sound like you're going for the arena. You're going for yes. the anthemic kind of bigger sound uh, that you can maybe play at a festival that maybe just works on a bigger atmosphere than those intimate clubs that um, they first played when they came over. Yeah, and it, am am I correct? They did get like pretty big on the like festival circuit, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in the sense that they were just playing a fuckload of them. Yeah, yeah, and they would get uh, decent spots. I think mm-hmm. you know. I mean, we're the like the five o'clock spot, or sure. you know, on a bigger side. I don't think that they were in like the you know B or the D C E tents. You know, to play into like twenty thirty people. At, I think like, that noon. they actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Where everyone well, is like those, just going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of totally forgettable. And those um those festival posters are like eye charts, you know. So like the the Yeah. The headliners are maybe like two or three inches big in their type. Uh, but the time <laughs> the time you get to the bottom guys there, oh, so it's like you need a magnifying glass <laughs> to see what the band name is. So I would say 
mid-upper that they were probably on those posters, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing them like relatively large font on like the Coachella poster, and yeah, probably like somewhere in upper middle. Upper middle. Perfect. Um, so, I we just picked one off here. I picked it. Um, nitrous gas. It, it mm-hmm. has that feeling of. Um, Coke or foot shooter. It's a little slower. It's a little uh, more sentimental. Yeah, I um, feel like there's also. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure this is intentional based on like the lyrics of the title of the song. But in addition to being like a little slower, there, I think it's a little druggy too. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's um, like blue velvet. Hand me the nitrous gas. <laughs> Oh god, that's another upsetting thing. Is <laughs> very upsetting. Very upsetting. Uh, but the first line is shut down the gospel singers and turn up the old heartbreakers. Mm. Uh, I'm dying to tell you that I'm dying here. Yeah. I love that. Just let's we need the old heartbreakers. Sometimes you just got to put the And now I he is one. He's one of the old heartbreakers. I know. Uh, Ugh. And if happiness will come to me, hand me the nitrous gas. There's like a, there's like a desperation in this song too that I think is really good. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I'm just ha- dying to be a unhappy. Hazy, druggy desperation. <laughs> uh, but the uh, the chorus is. Is great if I um. Where's you can keep all of your uh, oxygen. Hand me the nitrous gas. But if happiness won't come to me, hand me the nitrous gas. And if happiness won't live with me, then I think I can live with that. You can keep all of your oxygen. Hand me the nitrous gas. I love that. Laughing gas, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you can nice. buy in balloons at music festivals. <laughs> <laughs> we learned. Yeah, God, that was a funny phenomenon. Because <laughs> apparently, it must be a little dangerous or something. Because they they oh, were not is. screening any drugs at Bonnaroo, but you'd see this guy run into the middle of a pack with a giant fucking like canister, you yeah. know, like one of those like four or five foot tall ones. Oh yeah, and uh, and th- and then he would just raise up one little balloon. Yeah, <laughs> and then they would just swarm him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you just hear this <laughs> just kind of go out through the crowd as they got as the nitrous gas got disseminated. <laughs> it really was amazing. That's not a drug I will ever understand. Like if I'm going to buy something, it better fucking last longer than 10 seconds. The the funniest thing, well, ironically the funniest thing is is that there is no experience other just pure laughing that's the right. only thing you can do on nitrous gas is you yeah. just take a big huff of it and you look at the other person and you just start fucking laughing as hard as you can I know, it's almost more of a party trick than a drug <laughs> i know right it is <laughs> just because it's actually a, um Almost just as funny to watch the person do nitrous. Oh, it really like, don't yeah, all exactly. do it. If you guys get nitrous, don't all do it at once. They take turns because it's super funny. Yeah, that's what I, I feel like. The goal there is you get one like one person in your little group or whatever to do it, and then everyone <laughs> laughs hysterically. One person because they're on drugs, and the other people will be like, "This is fucking ridiculous." 
it is. But that that's a perfect um, uh, that's a perfect analogy for him. He just I'm yes. I'm never gonna not be depressed. I'm never going to come up into something uh, that is isn't like this this haze of darkness. That kind of this cloud that I. I kind of sit in constantly. Mm -hmm. So I might as well do some sort of drug alteration if I'm supposed to be happy, which this world seems to continually tell you, you have to be happy. Be happy. Be happy. What are you doing? Stop it. You're alive. Be happy. Yeah, even if it's something as temporary as nitrous gas. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. we, We only picked one off of... Um... The last one. We, you can go back and listen to our, our first episode if you want all the other five that we talked about. But um, 400 Bones just seemed... Even though we told you not seemed, to earlier. Even though we told you not to. Uh, 400 Bones warned. just seemed appropriate. Yeah. yeah. You've been warned. <laughs> uh, sufficiently warned. 400 Bones seemed appropriate. It, it's kind of a sad, slow song, like uh, Nitrous Gas has that kind of same yeah. tenor. That's a really interesting album. It um, sounds like half of a national album, a couple of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like all of these, I'm, I'm definitely gonna go back to it now. I'll be interested to see if <clears throat> how I feel about it now, given that mm-hmm. this horrible business has changed my perspective on all the other ones too. This is my I mean, that one was more of a commercial uh, production, it felt like, um, that he was kind of settling in as a songwriter and not necessarily relying on his depression to, to kind of come up with songs, uh, it felt like to me. And so, and uh, it, the hints that we got of the of the newest one, it sounded like there was some optimism in that as well. So hopefully we'll get some sort of part of, of that album. Yeah, I I'd really so. like to hear that too. Yeah, me too. Um, I feel like that would put a nice capstone on uh, his career. Um, but we left floating in the first, fourth, excuse me, floating in the fourth um, for last. And um, that'll probably be the song that the episode ends on. We'll probably try to play most of that for you. And um, the the place where they found his body was the fourth. It's a, yeah. it's a firth, the firth of fourth, which... Um, from my understanding, firths are where uh, the river kind of uh, dumps out into the ocean. So there's kind of like yeah. this little inlet uh, there. And uh, I, it must be super important to the Scottish people because they name all of the different firths. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they seem definitional in some sense for the kind of life that um, Scottish people live. You hear fifes and firths. Fifes so. and firths. You got two things up there, fifths and first. Very important. Um, this song's on um, the first one. Mid, mid- organ fight. Yeah. Organ, organ fight. And um, uh, floating in the first here, this is from the Guardian obit again. Uh, it's, penultimate, it's penultimate track, Floating in the Fourth, recounts suicidal feelings about which Hutchinson said in an interview with Noisy a few weeks before his death. It's a real thought. 
It's a thought that I've taken to a place that I'm far less comfortable with. I've gone 90% of the way through that song in real life. Uh, but he was in a better frame of mind now, he added. It's heartening to know that I've been through that and I'm still performing that song, alive and feeling good about it. And that was a few weeks before his death. It, it's, it's just that song is the darkness that kind of just hung over his life. Yeah, and I, I feel like, I mean, this may be obvious, but this was pretty easily the hardest uh, re-listen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was, uh, at one point, I, I couldn't really sing the songs uh, yeah. <laughs> like I used to, because it's just, uh, it's just, I just, I found myself kind of like shaking my head, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just, I know uh, exactly what you mean. Why? Why, why am I? So the whole song recounts basically uh, floating away mm, down the fourth into the sea. I think I'll save suicide for another day is the chorus, which is which is like we said, that positivity at the end of the. Yeah, exactly. It's still there, even in this one, like the mm-hmm. darkest track of them all. It's still there. Yeah. Fully clothed, I'll float away down the fourth into the sea. I'll steer myself through chopping waves as manic gulls scream, it's okay. Take your life, give it a shake. Gather up all your loose change. I think I'll save suicide for another year. That part right before it is the best advice. Take your life, give it a shake, gather up all the loose change, and save suicide for another year. Hey! 
Until next time, the Nathan Seal with you, Jeremy Cohen. Thanks for listening to the Radio Care. Bye.